is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Whip. Is that really in the Bible? We're talking about, with this series of programs I've been doing on the Holy Days, the question is, how do I keep the annual Holy Days found in your Bible? Now, one of the things I want you to understand right off the bat is, it's not about you keeping these days perfectly. A lot of people get discouraged because they don't, they're, they're new to this, they don't understand some of the symbolism of the Holy Days, and they get discouraged because they think, well, I've got to do this perfectly. No, it's not about uh, doing it perfectly. Now, <clears throat> it, it, it's about your willingness to keep these days is what's so critical in a relationship with God, because your willingness to do this is precious in the sight of God. Now, it's a strange thing, you know, a lot of this stuff that I'm going to be talking about sounds strange, but here's the thing you've got to understand. You were born into a ready-made world of religion, and a lot of the things that you do, you don't, you never question it. You didn't really question whether you know, your parents were lying to you about Santa Claus, about deers that could fly, about a fat man that came down the chimney bringing gifts. You just sort of blindly accepted this. This was a part of the ready-made world of religion that was in place when you came into this world. When you came into this world, you didn't question whether rabbits laid, egg, laid eggs or not. Actually, they don't lay eggs. Uh, you may want to prove that for yourself. But anyway, it, it's not an egg. Okay. <clears throat> no, it's not an egg. All right. Uh, but... We, we don't question this. We were born into that, and then the connection, somehow the bizarre connection with, with the Easter bunny and rabbits laying eggs and all of this is about Jesus' resurrection. Uh, it's strange. It's very strange. And so you were born into this ready-made world of religion. Now, what I want you to understand, though, is it's difficult to break out of that ready-made world of religion, and we become so accustomed to these weird ideas like Santa Claus and a, a rabbit laying eggs. And then when, I, when you hear the truth, well, the truth sounds strange. When you hear the truth for the first time, as I'm about to give it to you, it sounds, oh, well, that's weird. That's strange. But here's the thing. You know, your desire to keep these days is precious in the sight of God. But it's not about you keeping these days perfectly. I don't want you to get frustrated as you try to observe God's annual holy days. The Bible tells us to grow in grace and of the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. So it's a process. All right, let's start it off with Leviticus 23 and verse 4. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their season. Now, some people will say, well, well show me in the Bible where I have to keep these holy days. Well, I just, I just did. I just did. It was a scripture we just read. These are the feast of Jehovah. They're God's feast. Now, okay, you can dismiss that if you want to. You can say, I don't give a rip about God's appointments, God's holy days. I'm going to keep my own. I'm going to keep the man-made traditions of the world that really don't make a lot of sense, but I'm going to keep them. 
So that's your choice. That's your, your choice. But I've just proven to you that the holy days are valid because it says these are the feasts of the Lord's. They're God's feast days. They're God's holy days. Okay. Now the word which you shall proclaim in their season. Okay. These are the feasts of the Lord which I want you to proclaim them during their seasons. Now the word season there is Moad and the word means appointment, a fixed time, a season, a festival, a feast, referring to the feast days. Now, what's interesting about that word season is that if we, if we go back to Genesis, at the very beginning, Genesis 1 and verse 14, it says, And God said, Let, the lights, let there be lights in the firmament in, in the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be signs and for seasons and for days and years. Now that word seasons, again, is Moad. It's the exact same word that we read earlier. It means an appointment, a fixed time, a season, a festival, a feast. What this reveals to me is this, that right from the get-go, God had set up his appointments. Not only did he set up his weekly Sabbath, but he also set up the annual Sabbaths with the holy days right from the get-go. I mean, here we are in Genesis 1 and verse 14. And in creation, we know what God did on the seventh day. He rested on the seventh day and, called, and made the day holy, called it the Sabbath. But also in the creation of everything, God set in place these appointments with God that would connect man to God so that man would know, first of all, the weekly Sabbath to take a rest, but also know the annual holy days, which are all, all about Jesus Christ, so that man would know what God is doing through mankind. Okay, so if we go back to Exodus 31 and verse 13, it says, Speak also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths, notice that, it's plural, with an S on the end, you shall keep. It is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. So here we have a reference to the weekly Sabbath, but because the word is plural, it's also referring to the annual Sabbaths or the holy days, the appointments with God. You see, you can't keep the weekly Sabbath and dismiss the annual Sabbaths. I mean, if you do that, you're sinning. You're not obeying God. You can't disconnect those two. The two go together. The weekly Sabbath and the annual Sabbaths go together. All right, Leviticus 23 and verse 5. It says, In the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. All right, we talked about that on the last program, the New Testament uh, Passover covenant that we enter into. All right. And on the 15th day, right after the, we've entered into that covenant with the New Testament Passover, it says on the 15th day, on the same month, is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. In the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. So what do we have so far here? Well, we're talking about instructions on keeping the days of unleavened bread and how do I do it. So, so far what we've got is that it is a seven-day event, event and for seven days we are to eat 
unleavened bread. And on the first day, the first holy day, we are, we are to have a holy convocation. Now, what does that mean? It means go to church. Now, let me, let me suggest something. If you just show up at your local church and say, I'm here to keep the, you know, the feast of unleavened bread, they're not going to know what you're talking about. They've been in church for 50 years and have never heard about God's annual holy days. These are the feasts of Jehovah. How can people go to church for 40 years and never hear instructions about God's appointments, God's holy days, which are all about Jesus Christ? How can you go to church for that long and never hear anything about it? So you're going to have to find a church that is keeping the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the first day, holy day, you go to church, and for seven days you eat unleavened bread. Now, what is unleavened bread? And why do I have to eat it for seven days? Well, unleavened bread is breads which are not prepared with rising agents such as yeast or leaven. Unleavened breads are generally flat breads. Now here we have a picture here of a flat bread. This is unleavened bread that you can actually buy at the grocery store. Most grocery stores sell this, this unleavened flat bread. Leaven is yeast or baking powder that causes fermentation and expansion of dough or batter. And so unleavened bread is to be eaten for seven days. Okay, now I can just hear people. Well, that's crazy. Who ever heard of such a thing? Well, who ever heard of hanging eggs on trees? That to me is crazy. You see, your society, your society, that ready-made world that you were born into has programmed to you to believe that's okay. That's cool. Hanging, egg on, hanging eggs on trees, that makes sense. Okay, your, your society has programmed to believe that insanity, okay? You know, you're just like a computer, you just, and, and your society programs you to believe what you believe and the things that you believe and your convictions all come from that programming process. So a lot of this, we've got to deprogram you to even understand the Bible. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you got to go through a detox process, you know, like an alcoholic or something, you know, you got to uh, unlearn a lot of the things that you have learned that are false. Okay, what does the unleavened bread symbolizes? symbolize? All right, unleavened bread, now get this, unleavened bread symbolizes Jesus Christ. And so for seven days you eat of Christ Jesus, you take in Jesus Christ, you eat unleavened bread for seven days. Leavening the stuff we're not supposed to eat for seven days, is, is symbolizes sin. So I have a picture here of the two different breads. You know, one is puffed up, the leavening. Okay, the other is flat bread. All right, 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So with this scripture, we're told to purge out, therefore, the old leaven, the old sin, in other words, that you may be a new lump, flatbread, free, not puffed up with pride and sin. Pur you know, overcoming sin is a purging process. That's one of the lessons of the days, of keeping the days of unleavened bread. Let's go back to Exodus 12 and verse 14 and look at some more instructions for this day, for the holy day, the, the Feast of Tabernacle, excuse me, Feast of Unleavened Bread. I'm getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> feast of Unleavened Bread, which lasts seven days. Okay. 
And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by ordinance forever. All right. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. So, what you are to do is you are to, it's like a spring cleaning. You are to get rid of all the leavening out of your houses, which would be breads, cakes, and cookies, and crackers. And it's, it's like a spring cleaning. You know, when this time comes around, or before the Passover season comes around, I get busy cleaning out my garage, cleaning out my trash cans, emptying my trash cans in my garage, out in my shop, here, there, yonder. And uh, I clean out my vehicles because I've got, you know, where I've eaten maybe crackers or some type of cake or something, drop crumbs. And so I vacuum out my vehicle. You know, my wife gets busy cleaning the house. Get rid of, you get rid of all the leavening out of your house in preparation for these days. And the leavening symbol is a type of, of symbolizing of sin. So you clean this stuff up. Now, you may say, why is this important? Well, it's important because of something called a kinesthetic learning, you know, where it's hands-on experience. You actually do something. You know, I can tell you to do something, you know, but it's not until you actually do it, you know, with your hands and your feet, your body is in motion, do you actually learn anything? You know, so much of religion is just head knowledge, and it's, 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 I that's, it, it, it starts and stops with head knowledge, and that's not enough. God wants us to go through this process of a learning experience, hands-on experience, where the symbolism is there. This represents Christ, taking in Christ, eating of Christ seven days. This represents putting sin out of your life, and he wants you to do this so that you'll get it, okay? Exodus 12 and verse 16. And in the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. We already talked about that, okay? And in the seventh day, that's the last day, there shall be a holy convocation to you. So we have two church services here, the first and the last, the first and the seventh. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which is every man must eat, that only may be done of you. That only may be done of you. Okay, so we have a holy convocation. You go to church, okay, on the first day of unleavened bread and on the last day of unleavened bread. God's people come together during this time. And, and the reason is God's people are scattered. They really are. And, and this is the holy day seasons, the appointments with God, is when God commands us to come together. You know, get out of your cocoon and come and meet with God's people. And realize there's more than just you doing this. There's just more. You're not the only, you know, one out there doing this. There are other brethren it's time for brethren to come together. That's why you have the holy convocations, the appointments with God, where you go to church and meet with like-minded people. Okay, let's go on to another thing that was going on in the church at Corinth. First uh, Corinthians 5 and verse 1, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as it is not so mentioned as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. In other words, one of you men is sleeping with his stepmother, is, is what this is talking about. Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Okay, a little leaven, symbolizing sin, leavens the whole lump. 
Now, you women that mess with breads and doughs, you know that, that all it takes is a little bit of starter, a little bit of leavening to make the whole thing rise up, okay? All right, symbolizing, now follow this, follow this. All it takes is a little bit of sin, and if you allow it, it will spread throughout your whole body. It's like Barney Fife used to say, you know, nip it, nip it in the bud. And that, that's the, one of the lessons with keeping the feast of unleavened bread. All right, let's continue on. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, Purge out therefore the old leaven, get rid of it, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for you, for us. You see, here's the thing. Real conversion, real salvation is a purging process. It's a cleansing process. Now, how are you supposed to do that? How are you supposed to get free from sin? Well, you, you, take, of, you, 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 eat of, you take in of Jesus Christ and you put the sin out. You put Christ in, you put sin out. You put Christ in, you put sin out. And it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. But think about it. Right after... We uh, partake of the new covenant Passover where Christ forgives us of our sins. Doesn't this make sense that the next step is to go into the days of unleavened bread where we put Christ in and God's will is that we put sin out, okay? 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 8, Therefore, let us keep the feasts. What feast? Well, the feast of unleavened bread. Not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Yes, the unleavened bread, the flat bread of, uh, of sincerity and truth. The New Testament church was keeping the feast days. This is a, 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 an obvious reference to this festival. You know, the idea that the church went from God's commanded holy days to keeping Easter, Halloween, Christmas, and April Fool's Day, it's just, it's insanity. No, they, they never did that. The New Testament church kept the holy days. So what do we have so far? Well, we have like a, a spring cleaning. Okay, seven days you must, and then, you know, you, you, you get your house in order. You get all the leavening out there that symbolizes sin. You, you get it out of your house. Do away with it. Clean up things. Then for seven days, you must eat unleavened bread. Okay? We, what we found out also is the first and the last day are holy days. They are holy convocations when we come together and meet. Uh, we found out that the unleavened bread represents Christ, and the leavening represents sin that we are to get out. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question. Is this impossible for you to do? Is, is this too much to ask for? I mean, how sincere are you? The Holy Days lay out the plan of salvation for mankind. It's about a purging process. Once you've been forgiven with the new, new covenant Passover, what's the next step? Next step is days of unleavened bread. You know, is, is, this, is this too hard? Is this impossible for you to do? No, it's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's really, in a way, a simplistic thing that you can do. You see, here's the problem with religion. Religion, you know, it's like that phrase, open sesame, a magical phrase, you know. And salvation has become like a magical phrase that, that people just say. Yeah, I invite Jesus into my heart. I raise my hand. And uh, I love the Lord. And I got saved. And from there, we don't think about it anymore. We don't even give it a second thought. Most, most people.
So God comes along and gives us his holy days and says, I want you to think about what this represents. I want you to think about there is a purging process. I want you to think about that my desire is to, for you to overcome sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, most religious people say yes. That's exactly what we'll do. The Bible says God forbid. Okay, Putting Christ in by eating the unleavened bread and putting sin out by putting the leavening out of your lives. Okay. And it's, it, if you keep these days, believe me, it is so easy to make a mistake. Uh, and that's one of the things that God wants us to learn, you know. It's so easy, you know. You, you, maybe you drive through a window, like I've done before, and order a hamburger, and you're getting ready to put it in your mouth, like, and you think, oh, this is the days of unleavened bread. I can't eat that bread. Throw it out for a dog or something, you know. Uh, or you, your house, you know, your wife, you, you figure out you left something in the fridge or up high in the cabinet, some type of leavening agent, you know. And it's so easy to make a mistake. It's so easy to, to forget and to eat the unleavened bread by mistake. Uh, eat the leavening, excuse me, not the unleavened bread, that's what you're supposed to be, okay. But it's so easy to eat the leavening and, and overlook it and, and make a mistake, okay. Let's look at a, a scripture I want to look at. I want to tell you something about sin here that, that's important for you to understand. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 52, resurrection chapter. says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal, what we are now, must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that, that, that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now the reason I bring this up is this. When this day comes, the resurrection, and the dead are raised, only then will we have complete victory over sin. That is, from that point, we will be sinless because we're changed from flesh to spirit like God. God is a spirit. And uh, only then will we have a sinless nature. But until that day comes, there is a purging process that God wants us to go through. And yeah, it, it, it's not a pleasant experience. It's not fun. It's not joyous. It's not. It's a very ugly experience uh, because it can be a lot of pain involved and a lot of self-reality, self-realization about yourself and your weaknesses and your sins and your addictions. And but these are the things that God wants us to be purged from. And we have a merciful God that that deals with us and forgives us but he wants us to be actively involved in that purging process. Romans 6 and verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And you know, a lot of Christians would say, yeah, grace is all that's needed. And you know, Jesus spoke about these people who believe grace is all that is needed. Jesus spoke about these people who believed or believe repentance is a one-time decision. Here it is. Matthew 7 and verse 21. 
Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Yeah, doing the will of God. And doing the will of God is you being actively, you and me, being actively in, involved in a purging process. That's the will of God. Okay. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out devils and in your name done many wonderful works? And then I will pro profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Yeah, they didn't believe obedience was necessary. You know, these wannabe Christians failed to understand that there is a purging process that is revealed by the days of unleavened bread. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump. Now, I want to offer you something here, a study, a Bible study, that is very powerful because it goes through Scripture after Scripture after Scripture of the days of unleavened bread. If you want a good understanding of this holy day, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you need this publication. Also, an insert here. These are the days of unleavened bread. This is very good information, too, because it tells you what you got to get out of your home, the leavening. It even has some unleavened bread recipes in the back of this uh, insert here. So this is a, a very, so you need to know how to get the leavening out of your home, what is leavening. And you need to know, if you want to, now you can buy unleavened bread, but if you want to bake your own, which is really wonderful, it's really good. Uh, if you want to bake your own, there's some recipes in here, in this insert, of how to make your own unleavened bread. So, I'll send that to you free of charge, won't sell your name to a mailing list, won't beg you for money either. And uh, all you do, you just write for it and I'll send it to you. <clears throat> so, I want to conclude by saying this, purge out the old sin, that you may be fit for the Master's use. And how do we purge out the old sin? We take in Jesus Christ that is represented by the unleavened bread. We take Christ in and we put the leavening, we put the sin out of our lives, purge out the old sin, the old leavening, that you may be fit for the master's use. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? What kind of holidays will be kept when Jesus Christ returns to set up his kingdom on this earth? Will the traditional holidays of our society be kept, or will God institute His holy days found in the pages of your Bible? Find the answer to this question by ordering your free magazine entitled, Seven Holy Days. The greatest story ever told is found hidden within God's holy days, like a mystery that goes deeper and deeper. So each holy day reveals a deeper understanding about the mysteries of God and what God is doing through mankind. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com.